Savannians like to think they live in the sovereign state of Chatham. But the truth is, we are a part of Georgia, and we do send eight citizen lawmakers to represent us in the Georgia legislature. With the 2019 session opening earlier this week, our two senior statesmen, Representative Ron Stevens and Senator Lester Jackson, are our latest difference makers. and businesses they lead. You might even know their faces, but do you know why they are Difference Makers? This is Difference Makers, a podcast dedicated to highlighting Savannah's key players and what they bring to our city. From leaders in the business community to those on the arts and culture scene and in philanthropy, in government, and in education. I'm Adam Van Bremer, editorial page editor of the Savannah Morning News and SavannahNow.com. Thank you for listening. Ron Stevens and Lester Jackson are politicians with staying power. Stevens has represented District 164, which stretches from Southside Savannah to Richmond Hill and on down to Hinesville, in the Georgia House of Representatives for 22 years. Jackson, meanwhile, has spent 20 years in the legislature, the last 10 in the Senate representing much of Savannah and many of the communities west of the city. The two are among party leaders at the Capitol, Stevens the Republicans, Jackson the Democrats, and each has achieved much for their constituents and the Savannah area at large over the last two decades. We're pleased to have them as our guests for this episode of Difference Makers. Stevens joined us in the studio while Jackson talked by phone. We're going to start our two-part Difference Makers today with the Dean of the Chatham County Delegation, Representative Ron Stevens, who's been in, I, I don't even want to say how long it's been. because <laughs> Black hair and a waist. It's been, <laughs> it's been a long, long time. 21 years. It's been a while. Going 22. Years in, in, the, in the Georgia House. And Ron, I think most people are relatively familiar with your uh, with your service in the legislature. Can you kind of take us back before that? Tell us a little bit about your upbringing and, and what eventually led you to want to represent. Sure. Um, was uh, born in Lyons, Georgia, uh, on the farm. Uh, very, very poor. Whenever we were up until about six years old, I was given the opportunity to um, uh, to move to Savannah. Family did, and uh, dad and mom uh, worked for then Union Bag, mm-hmm. and uh, very good living from there. It's um, and, and of course, before the '50s, there was no jobs here in Savannah until these um, uh, the industry along the Savannah River came about. So it opened it up for a whole lot of families to come here and and uh, and get off the farm, which was very, very difficult. Um, and at a time whenever a lot of people were just going under. Uh, and, of course, I went to all the local schools, whether it was Port Wentworth, um, Mercer, Groves High School, played football, president of my senior class, mm-hmm. uh, went to um, uh, Armstrong State in pre-pharmacy, went to Mercer University, uh, to pharmacy school, and now um, and then opened up several drug stores. Mm-hmm. Um, and my daughter now owns them all. Uh, for the past couple of years so i'm basically playing politics um had a stint of several years and um very good experience on city council with uh, garden city um the city that never had a property tax uh, for all those years so it's uh, a lot of that has molded my um um, political influence Uh, so it's it's been it's been amazing and i've been blessed right so you're you're on city council you're enjoying that obviously that's that's very hands-on at city council what spurs you to then say I'm going to jump from the the local, the municipal level to the state level? Well, you know, I went up to I never been to the capital before, and I went up to see what they were. Uh, one of my friends from Macon was a uh, 
a legislator up there. He was a pharmacist. And, of course, we had issues in pharmacy, and we were always, uh, from the city level, always having these unfunded mandates come down from the uh, from the state, which none of the cities or counties liked. <laughs> so I figured I could, you know, I had an inside view. So I went up there and was watching them debate welfare reform um, about two years before uh, I got in. Uh, and then my predecessor, who was a customer one day, um, came by and and I said, you know, I, I watched you guys work one day, and if you guys ever decide to get out, let me know. Mm-hmm. And, um, and of course, he was required at that time to go to WTOC. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the rest is history. He became their anchor uh, after Doug Weathers. Mm-hmm. Um, two good men um, on that uh, news newscast. So, that, And that's basically how I got into it. Talking about Sonny Dixon. Sonny, yeah. yeah. So it was a uh, – an interesting ride. We're going to talk a little bit about what to expect in the, in the new session and with the new governor and new leadership, but you've been in the legislature long enough to see a lot of different leaders, a lot of different governors. I'm trying to place my history here. I believe that when you came on would have been the very end of Zell or yep. was Roy Barnes? Okay. Came in with, uh, with Zell Miller, right. uh, who was a very interesting uh, character, mm-hmm. uh, to say the least. And, uh, and of course, I worked with... Um, uh, Roy Barnes um, came in on after that, and of course Sonny Perdue, the first Republican, um, and I worked with him whenever he was Democrat uh, on the Senate side. So, mm-hmm. got to know all these folks well. Um, Zell was a very colorful character, and um, uh, I, I can remember trying to get a um, working with Zell, and even into the Roy Barnes era, and trying to get high school diplomas for these. Um, uh, these men and women who came back from uh, Vietnam and Korea and World War II uh, who quit school to go get their high school diploma. And uh, I was vilified for that. Uh, number one, I was in the minority at the time. But, um, you know, here we are giving away high school diplomas. Well, I thought it was a good idea. Uh, these guys aren't going to use it to get a job. And it has helped a whole lot of folks uh, and families uh, with the dignity of having their real high school diploma from the school that they left. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's presented usually on Veterans Day, mm-hmm. uh, but we have special ceremonies for all that. It means a whole lot to these families. Right. So Zell Miller, Roy Barnes. Sonny. Sonny Purdue, and, and now Nathan Deal. Yep. Uh, I'm sure they're all unique. They're, they're all in the legislature. You work with them, but I have a feeling you probably don't – you're not in the trenches with them. How does the relationship between an individual – Legislator or someone who's the head of a committee, which you have a couple of committees, and the governor's mansion. It's at times it's it's strained uh, because from the get go, I just don't agree hundred um, percent with with, uh, and I've never been a floor leader. Mm-hmm. Um, don't want to be because I it, once you become a floor leader, you have to take the governor's um, all of his recommendations, and you've got to take it to the floor and make sure that you can get it passed. Mm-hmm. And I, sometimes I just don't agree with that, so. Um, but traditionally, I've um, you know, except for some of the issues that we've had that are very controversial, things like the flag, and um, but I've I've got along very very well with the governors. I've gone in and and sat down in the rocking chair with Roy and talked to him about my tax proposal at the time mm-hmm. in his first year. To um, he had a different idea of of uh, how things ought to happen, and I was trying to explain how Stevens Day, which had never happened mm-hmm. before, mm-hmm. new idea and how it would work uh it's in now over about 70 taxing districts in the state but he was already committed to this other idea of um hearings once you have backdoor taxes coming up and so we we did them both and i did mine on a local level 
um, and we even got the school board and the county and and uh, all the cities to buy in. So it's just it was different at the time. Yeah, that that makes an interesting little sidebar that I just popped into my head, and I'm going to ask you is in your time, what is the broader legislation that's passed that you're most proud of, and then what is the one for you personally? I mean, is it is it Stevens Day Homestead? That's the one that I worked on the hardest, yeah. uh, and it, it and it took. Um, about two years of extremely hard work to try to convince folks that it was something different. It's thinking outside the box. It corrects the problem with backdoor taxes. Uh, but the proudest bill, and gosh, there's been so many. I've carried as many as, um, uh, in fact, David Knight told me that was nothing more than a pack mule up there because I carry so many bills. My bills pass. Um, and whenever I get up and explain a bill, I'm, I'm pretty good at, I don't tell people lies about what it might do or try to pull the wool over their eyes. So they they begin to trust you, but I've carried as many as uh, 15 bills at one time, and the majority of them get through. The one that means the most, of course, for me personally, is that um, um, is the high school diploma bill right. for um, these veterans that have come back home. Yeah, looking ahead to the to the next session, we get a new governor. Uh, we were talking earlier. There's a lot of new faces in the house. Uh, a lot of a lot of seats have changed party. If you had to kind of forecast by the time this airs will be in session but if you had to kind of forecast what do you think will be the the tone and the tenor new governor all of that wow it's um uh, of course the numbers are closer now i don't think you're going to see any major constitutional amendments uh without a whole lot of give and take and so far um and that's the one thing i'm proud about with georgia is we've we've been pretty good about and of course we've got our extremes on both sides but we've been pretty good about working together and finding out ways to settle our differences uh it, and you know there's always going to be the one or two issues every every term not necessarily every year uh where you're going to have extreme differences on but we've we typically uh you'll find those that just won't go party line one way or another because you know both sides are wrong at times and so it takes those, and I consider myself a moderate to the right, of course, but it takes those that, that want to step back a little bit and say, wait a minute, does this really make make good policy long term for our for our citizens in Georgia? And, uh, and sometimes you have to buck one side or the other. But by and large, we've been really good at working together. And that's the best thing about our delegation and our coastal delegation is – by and large, you know, our differences, our, our issues on the coast are so much different than those in the rest of the state um, and a lot more environmental things that are affect our citizens down here than those in the rest of the state. So we're um, we're pretty coalesced when it comes down in the first congressional district anyway on our issues. And and it typically is not partisan for all the change that is happening in the House. You keep the Speaker of the House still David Ralston, the, the leadership below him remains static. How much of a benefit is that to the House versus the Senate that's getting all new leadership? you got a new governor. How does that benefit you guys? Typically over the years, the Senate uh, changes in, in a whole lot more over than, uh, than the House does, and that's where the stability is in, in the House. But it gives us um, – uh, I think it makes the House stronger. Uh, and, of course, as soon as the governor gives us his budget, um, it, it'll mean that we've – of course, we get it first – and uh, and all the tax bills, of course, has to start in the uh, house, and we've already got a head start on some of that stuff. So um, it makes uh, with the stability that we've got with uh, Speaker Ralston um, and 
Pro Tem Jan Jones and of course John Burns from down here on the on the coast. It makes a it makes us a a stronger uh, unit um, whenever it comes down to getting laws passed, and uh, it it just makes us more stable, if you will. Um, but there'll be br- everything on the on the Senate side. The leadership will be brand new, mm-hmm. so it's um uh, it makes us just a little more stronger. Yeah, they'll have a little bit more of a feeling out period than you yeah. guys have on the house. So. It, it's it's going fast and furious now what from your perspective what legislative matters are are top of mind and are you pushing hard to get going here you got 40 days so you, you got to get going quick right we do and of course the governor will take center stage um and there'll be a lot of pomp and circumstance the first week or so uh until things begin to settle down and of course we've got to decide who our new committee chairman is going to be there's going to be you know a dozen new folks that'll be brand new f- in in very important committees um uh, in the judiciary we're going to have both chairman and judiciary will be brand new those and have a new chairman of education uh and of course brooks has been there longer than i have so there's a whole lot of institutional knowledge and strength that'll be in a brand new seat to somebody Mm -hmm. um but it's it's going to be I think you're going to see the big legislation. There might be something to do with uh, school safety that might come up pretty soon in the session. I think that that everybody all over the state has heard that's that's an issue, um, and and I hope we don't do like we've done in the past and pass that along part of the cost to the local school systems. But that's that's I see that as being front and center as one of the issues that we're probably going to take on early. Yeah, a lot of education issues, right from from. QBE. I mean, I, who knows if if Mr. Kemp is going to push to to have that formula redone? I know a lot of governors have tried and, and not had any luck. But from QBE to uh, the, the private school vouchers to yep. school safety to teacher retirement, teacher retirement. That's another <laughs> issue that that the, I'm glad you mentioned that we didn't talk about that earlier. But teacher retirement is is um you, you know we spent a couple hundred million dollars to try to backfill that stuff, but it's it's um the, that's a, a growing gorilla or the 800 pound gorilla in the room that we're going to have to address at some point to make it sustainable right now it's like you know we put money in and it's there for an, essentially an annuity and you take it out whenever you retire um, we've got to come up with a mechanism for sustainability that will grow with the economy and that's another thing we've got the lowest unemployment rates since 2001 um, it's it's incredible. If if you want a job, you can get a job in Georgia, and uh, we've got to keep that momentum going. And uh, that's that's the one thing that we don't want to do is mess up what we've uh, the good things that we've done over the past eight years. Yeah, that'll be interesting with with the the budget and some of the other initiatives that that Kent pushes. Is it, it seems that he's committed to basically kind of picking up where Deal is leaving off and, and carrying it. I, I assume that you're assuming to see that when. When you yeah. start digging into the budget, yep, yeah, I, I would suspect to be a smooth transition from um, from the policies that were set in place that have worked amazingly well uh, in keeping Georgia number one um, to, to do business in the uh, in the country. That's a that's a pretty big, and it was a big leap, and it wasn't easy to get there. And I can remember the single factor corporate tax and and all these other things we did for sales tax on energy for manufacturing that have really brought some of the jobs back. And made us competitive, um, so it's. Um, I suspect that we'll continue this transition um, with ease and continue the policies that we've laid out over the past decade. 
chairing the Economic Development Committee, uh, I'm sure you you play a pretty big role in that. In terms of economic development, what are the, what are the couple of pieces that you're really kind of locked in on and, and think needs to have some action in in these 40 days? We've had um, uh, issues with um, the tax credits on um, um, historic properties that needs to be tweaked again. Um, we always run out of money. That the, the, it's it's capped, of course. And that's got a nine-to-one leverage to the taxpayers. Those folks in uh, Louisiana, Louisiana, and, and uh, in other states have figured it out that this is a pretty good bang for the buck um, to go in and, and rehabilitate some of these properties and kind of bring them up on a level playing field for um, so that we don't demolish these properties just by neglect mm-hmm. because nobody's going to do like Mr. Kessler did and put $280 million down uh, without some sort of um, backstop that we're going to – uh, because it's easier for them just to level it and start from ground up. And you're talking about Plant Riverside, yeah, Georgia Power Plant, yeah. And uh, that's a that's a pretty significant investment down there. So, uh, and then you run into all the mitigating factors whenever you try to rehab an old an old property. Um, so yeah, all that stuff. It, we need to fix that. And we need to um, to do it early. It's a good return for the um, for the investor. I chair the uh, subcommittee on public policy and finance and ways and means. I suspect we're going to be uh, active this year. Um, especially in that one, we'll probably have a um, uh, a female product tax exemption that'll that'll work its way through the sales tax committee. We're going to have to look at the income tax again. We cut it last year, uh, this year, and of course it's supposed to carry on until next year. There's a, a question of a veteran income tax uh, exemption that needs to be addressed, and that was part of the governor's um, uh, campaign. So somewhere that. We'll have to find the money uh, to fund that. And that was a big discussion of eggs and issues. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, but basically this would say that, you know, once you're a veteran and you're getting your your retirement income from the federal government, that they will not take any state income tax yes. out of that. And the idea of, you know, most of these folks that are veterans that are retired still are working in the general public. They're so they're 40s, still, yeah. yeah. And they're going to be employees. So the idea is to um, uh, that we're going to get the revenue off of that income tax. Um, from their current employment, but to exempt those. And it also gives an incentive for those folks with the huge base that we've got here, uh, both with Hunter and um, Fort Stewart and, uh, and others in the area, that uh, we keep these folks at home and keep them uh, working here in Georgia. Yeah, because if they have to go to Florida to, to find a little bit of work, uh, or to, we lose to find work where they're not, they're going to keep more of their, their income, then yep. it's, you know, we've, we're not We've really, lost all that. We've already lost something. Give them a tax break with the idea we're going to catch it up on the back. And keep in mind, these these veterans are highly trained yeah. in the areas that we're trying. You know, the cybersecurity we've got, you know, with, in Augusta and and the um, and in fact, the whole corridor that we've got down from Augusta to Savannah is a is a really big deal. And these guys are already trained in that field, so we want to keep these really high paying jobs here. I want to wrap up? Uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about the. The issue that has become almost as synonymous with your name as the homestead tax exemption, and that's the whole idea of, of casino gambling in Georgia. Can you yep. kind of talk us where we are on that? Uh, as you, whenever we took over, we were funding um, university um, college degrees at a hundred percent books and fees. If you hope and grant. we made the, the hope yeah. grant and the hope scholarship, and we made a promise to folks that if you kept a B average, if you earned it, uh, that. The, um, the state of Georgia would get you a public education uh, post high school. 
and what that's amounted to today because and and the revenue from the um lottery has remained flat while our population's exploded we've gained uh, over a million people uh, in the past 10 years but what's happened is is the percentage that we pay to a um to a student that has earned a b average has dropped down to about 60 percent of their tuition so you get a full ride if you can keep an a average or a 3.7 to 3.8 uh, but we're, we're giving less to what we promised them years ago so it's time for the folks to either decide do they want to keep the negative parts of gambling which was 25 years in june that we've been doing that uh, or do we want it to go away altogether and I, i'm ready to put it on the ballot let them decide just as we've done with um, other issues like Sunday sales or brunch bills and and that those kinds of issues. It shouldn't be up to us to decide one way or another. But if we're going to continue to um, to fund the HOPE Scholarship, and then even more important to me is the HOPE Grant for these uh, pre-K uh, kids to get their foundation. Either we're going to fully fund it or we're going to, um, uh, to just make it go away and let uh, folks do what they've uh, done in other states, and that's go get a loan. Uh, we have more student loans out today than um, all the credit card debt combined throughout. So we've got some tough decisions to make, but it shouldn't be up to us to decide one way or another. The people, ought, they're pretty smart in Georgia. Decide one way or another. That's an interesting wrinkle because, I, and, and please correct me if I'm misinterpreting, but you're saying gambling altogether, which includes the lottery. Of course. So you're going to put it on the ballot and say we're going to have lottery, casinos, horse tracks, whatever, or we're going to have absolutely nothing. Zero. Yeah, that's that'll be interesting. I get maybe changes the conversation just a little bit. It does, so. and 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 honestly, you've seen that both of my daughters went, um, and, and I, they're not alone. They went uh, to school on a uh, on the Hope Scholarship. It was fully paid. They earned it. They kept to be. And, um, and and I've got one of them that's a pharmacist and the other one special ed teacher. Um, so it's it's and, and they're not alone. This is typical of those just uh, just a few years ago. So but th- those are the ones that need to decide those voters um, and, and the negative parts with gambling. You know, there's there's uh, the addiction, which, of course, is not covered at all in the bill that we passed under the Zell Miller days. Um, and there's nothing. Uh, in there to help fund that for those that have that problem so uh, and and some of the issues that are going on with many casinos and some of these convenience stores are blight to communities um, those are those are the the ugly side if you will of gambling and they're going on today i've been doing it now for 25 years so let the folks decide yeah ron thank you very much for coming in and taking a few minutes and uh, we appreciate all you do for us up at the up at the capitol thank you so much Difference Makers is brought to you by Nutrition with B-Ray, a local meal prep delivery service. Nutrition with B-Ray makes healthy eating easy by preparing meals with locally sourced ingredients and delivering them right to your doorstep. Our meals simplify portion control and are labeled with caloric and macronutrient counts. Learn more or try Nutrition with B-Ray today by visiting nutritionwithbray.com, sending an email to fitnesswithbray at gmail.com, or by calling 828-539-1842. That's nutritionwithbray.com is the website. You can email her at fitnesswithbray at gmail.com or call her at 828-539-1842. That's nutritionwithbray. Join now on Difference Makers by Senator Lester Jackson, who is by now, by the time you hear this podcast, will be working, toiling hard at the state capitol. Uh, Senator Jackson, we usually start 
this Difference Makers podcast by kind of introducing you and, and filling us in on your background. So take us back to the beginning. Are you, are you a Savannah native? And uh, how did you kind of matriculate early on? Well, I'll I, I give you the uh, 22nd piece. I'm a native of uh, Savannah, Georgia, a graduate of Savannah High School. Um, uh, I served uh, proudly in, in the United States Navy for seven years. I have a doctor degree of uh, dental surgery from the Harry Medical College. Uh, after my Navy career, I decided to come back home. I got into public service uh, first as a little uh, league basketball coach. Okay. And uh, uh, I saw a need for technical education for my uh, basketball players. And I, I started this uh, task in the General Assembly 20 years ago, talking about technical education for our young people. And now, probably say, we have a comprehensive uh, technical and vocational school in South Savannah uh, at uh, Woodville Thompson. Uh, mm-hmm. I've been to General Assembly 20 years. I've served 10 years in the, in the House of Representatives. Now I'm on my uh, beginning my 11th year in the Georgia in the Georgia Senate. So growing up in Savannah, what uh, what was it like, and, and what do you remember, and what do you you what do you really cherish? I thought as a student and, and uh, a student and a young person growing up in, in, in Savannah, there was not a better city uh, I could have grown up in. It was it's a beautiful place. Uh, lived on the east side of Savannah. Uh, grew up on Henry Street. Um, you knew your neighbors, your neighbors knew you. Uh, if you do if you did anything wrong, your neighbors would be sure to, to let your, your parents know. Uh, um, I went to church, uh, walked, uh, joined the church because all my friends in the neighborhood was, was attending the, the, the same church. So we walked to school together. We walked to Sunday school to, uh, together. We oftentimes played basketball, baseball, and football together with other, against other kids in, in, our, in the neighboring block. So it was a fun family environment, and, and I really enjoyed my uh, time as a young person growing up in Savannah. But I would tell you, though, uh, what I appreciate to Savannah was my role models, um, mm-hmm. of the coaches that, that really helped me and guided me, that my school teachers that really uh, put an effort in making sure I uh, got a great education. So uh, my sixth grade teacher, Miss Three, uh, my, my, my high school coach, uh, uh, coach Bell, Coach Somerset, my middle school coach, uh, uh, all of them. I just got to say that uh, Coach Charlie Smith, my and and my, my school teachers, Miss Love, Miss, uh, they were just they were so, and I cannot go on and on, but they were so beneficial to to shaping me and molding me. Sounds like you were an athlete: basketball, football, all of the above. Uh, I was a player. I was on on the field. Uh, a little basketball, a little football. Uh, but, but but more importantly, a, a little baseball, just about everything to uh, get involved. Right, right. So what what prompted you to, to I, I assume you enlisted in the Navy, what prompted you to go that direction in, in your life, at least early on? At that time in my life, uh, everybody in my family has served, every, I'm sorry, every male member in my family has served mm-hmm. in the armed service on my mother's side and my, and, and my father's side. My father served in the Army. My, my mother... Uh, brothers served in the Air Force, the Navy, uh, and the Marine Corps. So I thought it was just a rite of passage that I also uh, give back not only to my community, but to my country. So mm-hmm. uh, I was an ROTC since ninth grade, uh, Cub Scout, Boy Scout. Uh, we just thought it was our duty to, to serve. You know, the men, of my, the men of my family thought it was just our duty to serve. So 
uh, it was just a rite of passage. Mm-hmm. And what what exactly did you do in the Navy? Were you uh, driving the boat? Uh, I would actually drive the boat. Let's say that uh, <laughs> uh, I was popping teeth out of people's mouths like you pop popcorn. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I was a dentist in the Navy and uh, uh, also uh, the uh, triage officer. I served with a, uh, a Marine Corps unit for four years of my seven years. So uh, I not only acted as the uh, dental officer, but I was the uh, triage officer also. So is that where you got involved in dentist and dentistry was in the Navy? And was it kind of by chance or by luck or by design? Uh, by design. Okay. By design. Uh, I'm a graduate of, of Payne College uh, in Augusta, Georgia. After then, I got accepted to dental school. Um, at Meharry Medical College, and after I finished medical, um, after I finished Meharry Medical College, I thought then it was my turn to, to serve. So I joined the, uh, I joined proudly, volunteered in the in the uh, United States Navy. And you mentioned earlier that the, your first exposure to the Georgia General Assembly is when you went up to talk about helping out these youth that you were coaching. You kind of, mm-hmm. what do you remember about that experience? Uh, well, let me tell you, my first experience in politics was what was not technical education was was not uh, 22, 23 years ago. My first exposure to uh, public service was when I was 12 years old. When I was 12 years old, I was recruited to work on a uh, member of my church campaign. His name was uh, Al Scott. He was oh, running yeah. for state. Rep- he was running for state representative uh, when I was 12 years old. And he was looking for volunteers to help him on his campaign. And it was his initial campaign. He evidently didn't have a lot of money. So he, uh, he asked some, some younger people in this church to help pass out flyers. And I was uh, volunteered by my mother. <laughs> Voluntold, right? <laughs> yeah, I was volunteered by my mother. Uh, uh, so uh, so uh, for a whole summer, I worked with uh, Al Scott, uh, who eventually won his campaign, and I'm proud to say that he's been a mentor and a friend to me ever since that time. But, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, later on, uh, working with a, with a group of young people um, about 24 years ago, I talked about their needs and their desires once they finished high school, and I was surprised of the 14 guys I had on my basketball team, not one was talking about going to a four-year college or university. Mm. Uh, they all talked about technical education. They all talked about being a bricklayer, electrician, a plumber, but none was talking about going to college. And and, and uh, so that was uh, so I was a little bit uh, surprised at the idea. And uh, after I had a chance to talk with their parents, their parents asked, what can I do? Uh, what's the best thing I can do for your students? And they said, give them access to some technical education because at that time, Richard Arnold High School had, had closed down. Okay. And, and then there was not a, well, Richard Arnold, backing up a little bit, Richard Arnold uh, was an excellent institution in Chatham County uh, uh, when I was in high school for people to learn technical education. And trades. At that time, uh, the parents were concerned that they wanted that exposure for their children. And I said, I will help them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really didn't know what I was getting into, but... Uh, <laughs> Uh, I really didn't know what I was getting into, but I made a commitment to help those young people. Um, there were mothers like uh, Laura Bonaparte, uh, Jacqueline McKinney, uh, Tammy Lee. Uh, uh, they wanted to they wanted to 
make sure that their children got exposed to technical education. Um, uh, so uh, we were able to. So I made it my quest, and I and I when I looked at, it, I said, "Wow, this not this not just these fourteen kids. It's it's many young people over all over Chatham County." Uh, so I thought that uh, this was this was my task and 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 my charge. So uh, we looked at it and uh, we got a team together and we set out to to make it happen. Okay, that experience then kind of stoked your interest a little bit more, and was that ultimately what drove you to run for at first state rep? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, the school board said I went to the school board, made a presentation at that time. Um, the beautiful and wonderful uh, Virginia Edwards was superintendent. Uh, she expressed that it was a great idea, although they uh, they like funding uh, uh, to to build technical schools. And and I just asked the question, where can I go to get funding? Right. And she said, well, the the number one institution to get funding for public schools is the state of Georgia. Yep. So I talked to my wife and my family about it, and. Uh, I decided to make a bid uh, for a state rep to seek these necessary funding. Mm-hmm. So I imagine that kind of dovetails into the next question was I, I was going to ask you over your 20 years, what are you most proud of? What are your biggest accomplishments? So I have a feeling that that might be number one on the list. Oh, yes. The idea of technical education for, yeah. for Chatham County is, is, uh, is, is actually non, the number one. Number two, I'm proud to say that uh, during my uh, first year in the General Assembly, we were able to pass a property tax freeze for the city of Savannah. Many of your viewers or people remember the, uh, the Stevens Day bill. Stevens Day, yeah. Uh, that affects Chatham County. Mm-hmm. Uh, so as long as you own your property in Chatham County, your property taxes won't rise. Mm-hmm. But uh, Savannah also has to have a property tax bill that was passed that same year authored by uh, me, and uh, uh, what it did was, uh, as long as you own your property as a, in the city of, 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 of Savannah, that your property uh, would not uh, rise as long as you owned it. Uh, what mm-hmm. happened was, and, 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 and you got to think like 20 years ago, a lot of uh, traditional Savannians lived downtown. Mm-hmm. And what happened is the people were coming in from up north or out west buying property uh, for five, ten times, the value of the neighbor's property, and the neighbor's property would, would go up. And consequently, people were being taxed out of their home. Uh, and so you could not understand a, a elderly woman on retirement having a house she lived in her whole entire life that was passed down from her parents that was paying property taxes uh, for a structure of $50,000, and the neighbor comes next door and buys a similar house for half a million dollars, that her tax would go up, and she had based her budget on the property value she was accustomed to, and and she and they could no longer afford it, and it was happening time and time again. So, uh, along with technical education, I was happy to pass something that that did with, with, with I was happy to introduce and pass a property tax bill, along with Ron Stevens and uh, now my my deceased friend Birthday. Birthday, yeah. So uh, we always talk about Stevens Day. It seems like Jackson should be in there somewhere. Did you get kind of the short end of the stick on that whole deal? Uh, I am a team player. I just like to make it happen. Um, the, 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 the Stevens Day bill and the Savannah property freeze bill uh-huh. is, a, is, a, is a little different. The uh, Savannah property uh, freeze bill has a CPI on it. 
like okay. uh, uh, has a PPI that can exceed that cannot exceed three percent. It 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 keeps uh, the city solvent, and and although revenue doesn't go up extremely, it's just it goes up enough so that the city don't actually lose money. Well, I'm going to start calling it the Jacksonville. I don't care what anybody else does. So there you <laughs> go. Uh, before we wrap up here, you've been in the legislature. 20 years, 10 years in one house, 10 years in another, you've seen a lot of leadership changes. You've seen a lot of things come and go. Obviously, we're going to see, especially in the Senate this year, we'll see a lot of changes. New lieutenant governor, a relatively new, pretty much in terms of being in session, a a new majority leader. We got a new governor. As you look back, how do you, can you put in perspective what it's like in terms of dealing with with change in, in the state house and how do you navigate it? I will tell you this, uh, there's not, the only constant thing about politics is change. And, and, and you should expect change from year to year, but especially from election to election. I, was, I served in, 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 the, uh, in the General Assembly when the Democrats were in charge. I, cha- I, served, at the, uh, I served when the transition t- took place, and I served when there was nearly a supermajority of the uh, Republican Party. The only thing that is different now is that uh, a different group of people are, are running the uh, the lieutenant governor change change uh, chambers, the governor's chambers. But it's all about relationships I found in politics. Um, um, it, it's more than just party. It's more than just geographic difference, uh, geographic similarities. It's, it's it's about um, relationships. I have uh, I have a had the tendency to uh, work with uh, uh, legislators uh, across party lines while keeping my my firm democratic values. Mm-hmm. I am a strong leader in my Democratic Party, a strong Democrat with strong Democratic fundamentals. But I do know that we live in an environment where we where we must work together and we and we must get consensus and. Uh, great things, the great growth that Chatham County has had in the past few years. I've seen the great growth of, of, of Savannah in our ports, in, 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 our, in our district. Look at the money. When you look at money, Chatham County brings back in relationships to, to the rest of, of Georgia or the rest of districts, you'll say that we do pretty well. So That's right. um, it's about, it's about um, relationships, and I tend to make that, and I tend to continue those relationships so that uh, Chatham County, as well as the entire state of Georgia, can prosper. Is that pretty unique about our delegation? I mean, obviously, you've got everybody was reelected last year. I guess Carl Gilliard is relatively new a couple of years. But for the most part, everybody's been there a long time. Everybody is used to sticking together and working together. What is the dynamic amongst uh, the eight of you? Uh, more than just colleagues. We are friends. We hang out together. We, we talk all, all the time. Uh, it's not that we, we we agree on everything, but but what's 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 the beauty of our delegation? We are willing to talk through a lot of issues and and work out our differences. So um, as uh, as as we grow, we continue to uh, uh, work with each other and and knowing that the decisions we make not only benefit us but it it, it benefits this entire community. So um so it's a good working relationship. Uh, Ron Stevens and I have served 20 years together, so we've got to know each, each other. Uh, State Representative Mickey Stevens uh, was my former campaign manager, so we've we've had history together. Um, uh, Craig Gordon, uh, we are family friends, and so uh, 
so we are we we know a lot about each other, and uh, so and Ben Watts and I we are in the same profession, so we have a lot of other stuff in common besides the general assembly. So 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 we we're, we're friends and we're colleagues, but we know what decisions we make affect all of Chatham County. And we're all about the same purpose, making sure that chat uh, resource possible when, when it comes to access to our state. Thank you for listening to the Difference Makers podcast, a production of the Savannah Morning News and SavannahNow.com. We post a new episode every other Friday, and it's available on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We also publish a daily news and opinion podcast called The Afternoon Commute. Search for The Commute with at Savannah Opinion and subscribe to our podcast today.